Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with August, August Val, and I'm back from vacation beans. Good for you. It was fantastic. Just what you needed. Really, absolutely, 100%. And now we're back to work. Here we are. Here we are. So it's August 1st. That means, Frank, that in in 25 days, I will be actually seeing you again. I know. What are you, are you, are you, you're driving down, are you leaving like during the day? You're not going to do an overnight again, right? Hell no. I only did overnight because that damn hurricane. I would never do that. I, I made those mistakes young. I would never do that overnight. Bless me. Here we go. Yeah, no, I, I that was horrible. We, we were going to leave last year around 4.30 in the morning and just let the baby sleep the last couple of hours. So th- this year we're going to leave a, at just 5 a.m. and then just do a day drive. Yeah. So that, that's, uh, no, that was out of complete necessity. I knew what hell I was in in uh was in store for me yeah that was i there was a hurricane in new york and you were coming down to south carolina fun hurricane henry or han henry oh yes whatever they were calling it stupid freaking names they come up with for these things now right Ugh. well okay so the dark delight extravaganza will be broadcasting live we'll be broadcasting the podcast live from the dark delight extravaganza and um i recording live oh yeah unless you're, unless you're gonna stream it Damn it, I might have given myself away. Well, you're, you're going to stream it? <laughs> I was thinking maybe on the Locals channel, we'll stream it. Okay, well then do it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, anyway, so that's coming up in late August, which is fun, because it'll fly right by. It'll fly right oh, by. Oh, I know. I know. I'm very uh, I'm very excited just for the break, because I'm not, going, I'm not going back on air until the day after Labor Day. So from the 26th to the 6th, I'm going to be chilling. So if anybody is a, is a subscriber to my YouTube channel, which is Tracy Means on YouTube, leave it um, and go to Rumble and find the Uncover DC account on Rumble because I've gotten my second strike in as many weeks now for something that I posted like two years ago. Oh, you can't leave things up that are that old. I, I Clearly not. And so you now, can't. you know, maybe I, that's what I'll start doing, just archiving everything. And Yes, you need to get yourself a batch downloader. Have it download everything that is on your channel and then delete everything. I, I my Sharon helped me yesterday take some personal because I remorphed that channel. It was my personal YouTube channel when I was like young, young, and it had videos of my kids and stuff on there that were obviously privated, but I wanted them because that's the only place they are because I know I'm done. So we'll see what happens. I, I now have my second strike in less than a month. And so they're after me. So whatevs. Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, separately, I missed I missed the Bannon conviction. <laughs> Stupid. As if it was going to go any other way. I, it, it, it was so dumb. Like the whole thing is just a dumb political charade. And then whatever happened, I don't know, because I clearly wasn't going to watch it if I was here. They had a Thursday night committee hearing. Was there anything of substance that came out in that? No, I did not watch, though. All right. I, but I don't. Whatever happened there did not trickle out and diffuse into my life. So I can't imagine it's going to be everything that they do is very important to them. It's life and death. Here's what I, here's what I know. I know that it interrupted the 
eviction night on Big Brother. That's what I know. So that had to be broadcast on Sunday instead of Thursday because of this stupid, stupid charade. Um, They did a I saw a a clip yesterday. I wonder if I can find it now that we're talking of CNN going around in in Wyoming asking voters whether or not they were going to vote for uh, Liz Cheney. And what happened? Could they, could they yeah. find a list? No, Cheney here voter? we go. Yeah, I found it right here. Hold on, listen. Here it is. Cheney for a fourth term. Are you planning to vote for Liz Cheney? Can I cuss? Hell <laughs> no. Are you planning to support Liz Cheney? Absolutely not. What are your thoughts about Liz Cheney running for a fourth term? Um, personally, I think she said for three too many. Keep in mind, in 2020, Donald Trump won about 70% of the vote in Wyoming. So Liz Cheney's work on the January 6th investigation isn't playing so well with many Wyoming voters. She's done us dirty. How so? Oh, God. Look at how she's done Trump. I'm a, I'm a Trump fan. I'm sorry. So she lost your vote because of her role on the January 6th committee and what she's yes. doing about Trump? Yes. She's supposed to be supporting him. She's a Republican, for crying out loud. I find her work on the January 6th committee just repulsive. How do you feel about her work on the January 6th committee and her role? It's all a hoax. It's all propaganda. has nothing to do with anything. It's a witch hunt. Well, she says she's defending what's important to people here in Wyoming, uh, upholding the rule of law, defending the Constitution. If that was the rule of law, why doesn't he have a defense team in that courtroom? Damn right. That ain't the rule of law. That's a kangaroo court. That's not the Wyoming way. She has been an embarrassment. It's a witch hunt. Are you proud of her for taking on Donald Trump? No. And then they show a rodeo because, you know, why not? Yeah, because these are what these backwards-ass people are interested in, though. The rodeo. (laughs) They're at some, like, town fair. Back to you, Manhattan. (laughs) Yeah. So Bannon gets convicted. And again, I'm going to warn everybody not to be uh, fooled. But here is oops. Here is Tulsi. Where'd it go? I had it right here. You're going to I'm a little rusty. You're going to have to deal with me for a minute. You suck so far. I know. I'm terrible. (laughs) Terrible. Um, Tulsi Gabbard came out. Tulsi Gabbard. That's not her name, is it? It is. Oh, (laughs) it'll be okay. What did you think her name was? I don't know. You're talking about the, the chick from Hawaii, right? Yeah, it's the okay, chick. That's the, her, yeah, that's, yeah, that's her name. Yeah, Tulsi, Tulsi. I don't know why Gabbard reminded me. It wasn't. Who was the politician that was gunned down in? Was it Arizona? Who got shot uh, in the head? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, uh, wait a second. Is she a Gabbard, too? Uh, I, I, wait, hold on. Wait, yeah. Wait, pause. Oh man, why do we have to pause? Okay, okay hold on. Wait, wait. Arizona Congresswoman. Wasn't that Giffords? Gif- wait, Giffords. Yeah, Gabby Giffords. That's what it is. Gabby Giffords and Tulsi Gabbard. See, I was two I was just conflating. Two different things. Yeah, clearly. Thank you, Frank, for pointing that out so poignantly. Yeah. Here's Tulsi on Bannon versus what happened with Brennan and Clapper. Thank you, Citizen Free Press, for the clip. No matter what you think or feel about Steve Bannon, the fact that he has been found guilty of contempt of Congress, yet others have faced no consequences at all, people like James Clapper, for example, sat before the U.S. Senate under oath and lied directly about an NSA program that was conducting mass collection on millions of Americans. Or John Brennan, for example, as CIA director, he spied on Senate staffers, lied about it, 
and also broke into Senate computers to read emails from whistleblowers to members of Congress. Now, both Clapper and Brennan kept their jobs and to this day still have faced no consequences at all. What to speak of being charged and prosecuted and found guilty of the crimes that they committed. Now, this is just the latest example, unfortunately, of how our Department of Justice has become a political weapon being used by those in power to go after their political enemies. She's completely right. There are so many more examples of this. I I can't even... Yeah. Lois Lerner. Uh, dizzying. Dizzying. Yeah. And, you know, think about what she said about what Brennan did. He spied on members of Congress and Senate, and then he lied to their faces about it. And he, <laughs> like, versus a committee that's not even a legitimate committee under the rules. Yeah. And, and, that, and that has power to put somebody in jail now. Yeah. I mean, and you know who's up next? Um, Who? Um, what's his Trump. name? No, um, geez, I'm having selective amnesia. The other aide that was charged with the same thing, uh, they let him out in handcuffs or they, they waited until he got to the airport and they. Geez, I don't know. Garrett worked for him. Gosh, um, he, he co-hosts War Room sometimes. Jesus, this is ridiculous. I'm pausing it. Peter Navarro, my goodness, me oh my. I didn't have any coffee this morning. It's terrible. Peter Navarro. See, I know, I know concepts. <laughs> oh, that's how it's starting to get for me too, and it's it's actually pretty frustrating because, as you said before, when you're just talking about Clapper and you're talking about Brennan and how there's so many more. I mean, you can generalize it that way, and it'd be true. But when you say so many more, would you be able to really list them off? They're they're all blurring into one big pile of crap right now. Yeah, all the individual things. That we've been outraged about, and rightfully so, but it's just all blurring into one big pile of crap that I just, I, I'm more inclined to say, just just throw them all away. How so? Like, throw them all away how? Throw all these people away into jail. Oh, yeah. They should be all in jail. If we're going to go, if we have a rule of law, you can't selectively prosecute people underneath it. Right. Can you, I say this all the time. Can you imagine how awesome this country would be if people just followed the rules that we have. I know. Speaking of which, I don't know if anybody, I, I haven't had a chance to look, so I'm sure there's some enterprising journalist out there who has covered this uh, at length. But this letter from Grassley to Merrick Garland and Christopher Ray. did you hear anything about this? No, I, no, I didn't. Okay. So there was this letter that, that uh, Grassley sent over to um, Christopher Ray and Merrick Garland. Um, about whistleblowers that have come forward from the FBI to them at the committee where they are to talk about what happened inside the FBI with the Hunter Biden laptop and associated investigations in 2020. And these people have apparently stepped forward with information naming certain individuals at the FBI for their role in covering this up and also for their role in kind of Uh, orchestrating this whole narrative of Russian disinformation was behind all this stuff. So it's a four page letter and it it brought me back to 2020 and Ron Johnson. And of course that was mentioned in here. So we'll do a a quick summary really quick. I'm going to read some of it. It's pretty interesting. Okay. He says on May 31st, 2022, I wrote to you regarding likely violations of federal laws, regulations and FBI guidelines 
by assistant special agent in charge, Timothy, I think it's Thebalt, of the Washington field office, which was based on a pattern of active public partisanship in his then public social media content. In that letter, I noted Congress has a responsibility to to look at this and blah, 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 blah. Those, um, the letter that he wrote initially invited other individuals, including current, uh, including current and former government employees to contact me and my office to confidentially report allegations of fraud, waste and abuse and gross mismanagement by the FBI. Remember when we talked about that letter when it came out and I said, the reason why that they're asking for all of these new whistleblowers to come forward is because they already have the whistleblowers and they want to make it okay for them to come forward. And so he goes on to say that the information provided to the office by several um, whistleblowers and the fact that they were highly credible and also the fact that there was so much overlap between the different allegations that came because my first thing, Frank was, what if he's got now a coordinated campaign of fake whistleblowers coming forward? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Because that's all that's matter. That's all that matters now. Yeah. Because if, if, if Grassley takes one of these whistleblowers, let's pretend that they're fake. They're, they're fraud. They're Democrats masquerading as whistleblowers. And then he uses those to launch an investigation. And then they come out and say this, this was all BS they can then discredit the entire thing like Ukraine wise. But anyway, he says it's, he, he names Brian Auten. I think it's Brian Auten. Um, it says more than one instance, the focus of the FBI HQ team's attention involved derogatory information about Hunter Biden. Accordingly, the allegations provided to my office appear to indicate that there was a scheme in place among certain FBI officials to undermine derogatory information connected to Hunter Biden by falsely suggesting it was disinformation. Right. Now, this goes on. He mentions Senator Johnson in here. He mentions that Nancy Pelosi was involved in a scheme to basically say that the committee that Johnson and Grassley were running was being infiltrated by Russian and disinformation. Do you remember that? Yeah. And and Johnson came out with an open letter, like a very powerful open letter, because they were trying to tar and feather him in in the public square. Mm-hmm. And he he was they had just released that huge report on the Ukrainian corruption. And then Nancy Pelosi and all those people came out and said that it was actually a member of the KGB had that had provided that information to Johnson and Grassley. And they tried to do all kinds of things to them. I had covered this in a, in a, in a very like a longer video, which I'll, I'll try and find and link in the notes below, but it was a huge deal because they were right on the cusp of breaking the entire thing wide open. And then then they, and then the other side, then the other side just started lying about witnesses. And again, yeah. And, and saying that they stacking contradictory stuff against it and saying they literally were working with the KGB. Right. And and Johnson was like overwhelmed by that. He couldn't even believe it. He said, you know, he said, basically, these people fight um, differently than we're used to fighting. Uh, it's time to change that up a little bit. I have both of the um, I have both of the letters here because I, I went back and looked for them, which which is why, you know, my show prep started so early today. But like he he, he was personally attacked to such a degree that he 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 wrote a probably 
six or seven page long. Um, I, you, I guess it was an op-ed or open letter explaining the tactics we were up against. And this was before the Hunter. When did the Hunter Biden laptop story really take hold? Was it October 2020? Yes. October 2020. New York Post was on on that. Yeah. So October 2020, the laptop comes out. None of the none of which was a, was part of what they were doing. They had started investigating due to the impeachment and what was really going on in Ukraine and Hunter Biden and Burisma and all of that stuff because of the impeachment inquiry. The Hunter Biden laptop was just icing on the cake. It's true, though. Uh, it's true, though, about the, the, the tactics used like that. The, there's something so disgusting and just vile about what we're dealing with the uh, on is namely in the Democrat Party. Obviously, both parties are trash, but this this party in particular, I mean, to go to the length of you're you're being outed and then literally just turn around and say, oh, well, this is only happening because our opponents are literally funneling information from the KGB. It was it was absurd on its face then. And and it's even more absurd now, given everything that we know. But again, who? This is what I could see happening just just because if, if history is any any guide, these people aren't going to change the way that they uh, no, they're going to get worse. Well, they're not going to conduct themselves like the Republicans or anyone on the side of anything right and just, even if there are Democrats on that side, which I would argue there probably are some. It's going to be we well, let's pretend we take the House and, and the Senate during the midterms. Right. And we have Joe Biden sitting in the Oval Office still. Maybe. Who knows? He's got covid again. We can talk about that in a second. And then they can they have control of committees. They can do whatever it is that they want to do. They'll have some hearings and they'll bring people in. But what are they going to they're going to say, oh, it's too contentious to do this right before a presidential election. And then it's going to be too contentious to do it right before a midterm. That's not what I want. No. Sorry about that. Um, Then it's going to be too contentious to do it because whatever. And I I just who is going to have the sack of of cojones? To actually do something about this. Uh, well, I'm not that very hopeful. So don't ask me. I, I'm not either because I, I see a lot of letters and obviously these guys are still working. and I have nothing bad to say about Ron Johnson. People pull out this whole thing about how he said the election was legitimate. And you can you can listen to his little off the record comments any way you want. This man has done more good for People, including with the vaccine injury stuff that he's done. He's he's a stand up guy. Ron Johnson is especially with covid and everything else. And they're doing good work. But I, I mean, he's holding hearings all the time. Well, what good are they if if we don't employ the same tactics, but using the rule of law as the left does? Because we have you know, they can put someone in, you know, charge someone with contempt or lying to Congress or whatever. And the other thing that struck me as this letter went out to to Christopher Ray is how at the very second Biden took office, he would have been gone if he were anything other than the biggest swamp creature on God's green earth. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's just it's so funny. Every day that Christopher Ray stays in uh, stays in the FBI, is just there's nothing else you need to know. We've been saying this, Frank, you and I have said he's a smarmy little effer since the day he was confirmed and the yeah. day. Yeah. Well, uh, that was, that was the day that I was, I was done with him. Yeah. The day that he was confirmed was the day I was done with him because he, 
he got over 90 votes in confirmation. Right. Right. That does not happen. Correct. Unless you're 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 worthless and um, or of use, I should say, useful to somebody that's not us. So that was it. Everybody had their theories, but that was confirmation. The confirmation. So part of my job today, after I catch up a little bit more with some like, you know, housekeeping stuff, I'm going to dig into this a little more. And I don't know if anybody else has covered it. I don't know, but I'm going to do it because I went in depth into that op ed and all the background information. As a matter of fact, a couple of the stories that I'd written about Parnas um, were kind of in the in the you'd call it, I guess, a report that the committee had put out about Ukraine. Um, And that's where what's his name? Uh, The lobbying group, the lobbying group for the Democrats, Gold Star Strategies had gotten involved. The, The Ukraine story is so big. As a matter of fact, Speaking of which, did you see Jennifer Lopez over there giving a benefit concert? Oh, must be so terrible over there. She's <laughs> where in Ukraine? In Ukraine. No, I didn't notice. Or maybe it was France. She was somewhere that she was giving a benefit concert for Ukraine after her marriage to Ben Affleck. Why is he? Is he a Ukrainian? No, but you know, virtue signaling. You know. Oh yes. Well, she's married. She's a married woman now, so mm. now she's virtuous. She's been married like four times. So she's four times as virtuous now as anybody else. <laughs> so there, there is there is that story going on. And again, like I said in the middle of this, so Biden tests positive for COVID, you know, supposedly vaccinated and boosted twice. I don't even believe he actually got it. I, I just can't believe that unless they wanted to try and get rid of him, they would inject that poison into somebody so important. I don't know. Um, but. He takes that jug, that 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 Pfizer drug, which I can never pronounce, Pavlox, Pavloxoid, Pax, Paxlovid, Paxlovid. There we go. And of course, he rebounds just like Fauci did, and just like everyone else will who takes it because it doesn't work. What it does is it basically suppresses the immune system, and then you don't clear the virus completely, and it comes back. It's almost like accidentally not finishing your antibiotic after you get a bacterial infection. Right. And then it comes back even even worse afterwards. And they're saying he has no symptoms, but he's still in isolation. Did you see how many jump cuts were in the speech he gave about, I guess it was inflation? It was in a, the, the 11 minute speech a week ago. Yeah, where he didn't blink for 40 seconds. Well, yeah, it, it was just his entire demeanor changed around eight minutes. And I remember having to uh, to highlight it eight minutes and 30 something seconds. All of a sudden. He went unblinking and very agitated. And I don't know. It it was almost like uppers had just kicked in. I listen, I had COVID. You had COVID, right? Yeah. I, I was guess. not given any freaking speeches. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there was nothing that could get me out of my bed. He there's no I don't know what they're doing with him. If he's a marionette, I don't under or if he even had COVID, who knows? I don't know, but I remember Anthony Fauci was giving interviews while he was on his second course of COVID saying how absolutely dreadful it was the second go round, which was like less than a week after the first go round. (laughs) My second infection the next week was horrible. And can we just say for 80 year old people to be surviving this deadly, terrible virus for the elderly? um, Yeah, that in itself is pretty uh, interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, doesn't it destroy the entire narrative that they've been pulling this entire time? Hold on one second. 
So with all of that being said, Frank, last week we published a column. It was one of the only things that I I let Michelle wrote it. It was about like this this trifecta of big pharma fail last week. Um, The study that had come out about the vaccination, the fact that the Alzheimer's drugs, that the Alzheimer's drugs that they said were supposedly the most breakthrough things that targeted the plaques on the brain worked and ended up not working at all. And then SSRI medication, not doing anything for depression because it's not caused by a decrease or a chemical imbalance in the brain. Did you catch all three of those? No. The piece that Michelle wrote is absolutely breathtaking. It is some of the best journalism I've I've really ever. It it was just amazing. I'm going to send it to you because you're going to want to cover it on the show. It's not long. It's very to the point. It's, It's an easy read. And she tackles these three topics in it. And you know who else happened to tackle those three very topics was Tucker Carlson. So he did probably the most lengthy open on the danger of vaccination that I've ever seen on mainstream television ever. And it's at the point now where all of this information is coming out and people are starting to to there are so many people who've been injured now that are speaking about it, that they have to let that happen because they can't keep a lid on it anymore. So they're going to let people start talking about this stuff now without without paying any attention to them. But they'll let them say it because if they try to stop them from saying it, it'll bring more attention to them and then more people will speak out. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. So they're at the point now where they have to let the narrative pepper, because if they try to stop it anymore, the outcry will be so great that they won't be able to control anything. So there are tons of op-eds and pieces being written right now about how the people who were anti quote vaccine were right. And Wendy sent me one last night from a guy, I guess it was a guy it's called the unvaccinated will be vindicated. Um, 27 months after the, the who, the whole, announced the world was gripped by a deadly COVID pandemic. Views and opinions vary as to who was right or wrong and whether science was sacrificed in the quest to pollute the people's minds and bend their will for motives other than the health and safety of the world's population. Um, there are there are people that are now saying, like, we were those people who were, like, looking at the unvaccinated as the scum of the earth and chastising them and firing them and whatever. And now we're saying, oh, goodness, you guys were right. Yes. If nothing else, this author says, you provided us with the control group that we needed to see that this stuff was was deadly. Uh, Even that's not a very that's even that's uh, thank you for providing us with the control group. I don't I this is the thing I had this conversation. We listened to the Tucker segment on the drive home and I said to my husband, I'm like, I don't want to be right about this. (laughs) Like there's no vindication in it. Because there are people, there are hundreds of millions of people in this world who are irreparably damaged forever. And they are in my own family. I have people in my own family that didn't, that listened to their doctors. And it all depended on where, what region you lived in too. Because in New York, if you were a normal everyday person, you were barraged with this endless propaganda campaign. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it it was relentless. And it still is to, in, in, in many ways because they just they can't let it go. You like have, you said, yeah, you have, you have to let you have to let you have to loosen the range just a little bit. But they're not they're not reversing course. They not, can't admit it like this. Not yet, anyway. But 
like ethical skeptic on Twitter is an account. I always tell people he's on um, he's on Truth Social now, too, by the way. He does all of the excess death statistics and stuff. Um, and they have removed they've they've started fudging the data, of course. But the excess death statistics in this country are hundreds of thousands of people per week above normal. There are so many people dying right now from all causes, not just COVID, that it is they have to manipulate the data and recharacterize things and change them because otherwise it is a glaring indictment on what is happening right now. So is there anybody that is actually. I know that we just had a census in 2020. How are we going to really see the impact on this and how are they you know, how are we going to see the impact on this on the population if hundreds of thousands are dying a week? That's I mean, that's 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 incredible. His latest tweet is a reminder. Three hundred. Well, this is a year. Let's just go. Maybe I'm wrong. It's tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands. Okay, because I was going to say that's you can't miss that. It's tens of thousands. That means our, our, our towns are are emptying. Well, he basically said that this guy who's who's a data scientist has said that the impact of this so far has been a few world wars. Uh, I'm sorry, a few world wars worth of death in, in our younger generation. So he says this as a reminder, 314,000 young persons dead from April 4th, 2021 to February 19th, 2022 from a factor that they won't tell us. The CDC suddenly chose to hide that data. COVID is at 1,220 deaths per week. This factor is killing 4,700 per week, which is 3.8 times what COVID kills. And that COVID death statistic is not uh, specific to young people. That is across the board. It, it, mm. it's, that's almost, almost 350,000 excess deaths in young people in a year. That's a lot of people above what normally would pass by trend. That's just incredible. And, and the most sad thing you can think of, think about how many parents, how many families have buried their youngest members. It's just terrible. Like we had that anecdotal statement about um, the caskets that are being purchased or, or, or asked for by, and, and, and you know what, at this point, if you are going to go out and, and vaccinate your, your young child with this vaccine, I, I don't even have any, you're, you're a monster. You're a monster. You, how you can make such an irresponsibly uninformed decision about your baby is just beyond me. And then you got to wonder, like, who is it? Who are the people that went out and took this up? Who are the people at the most part, for the most part, that went out and decided to get vaccinated for the most part? Who? Demographically. Demographically, the old Democrats, old? No, old, just old people in general. They just I, I, across the board. I know I, there was barely a there was barely a party difference around here. If you were older, you're listening to your doctors. It's just it's the crowd that was already going out and getting the flu shot every year. Right. That was that was that was a given. H- how many young how many young Democrats went out? Dispropor- I would argue disproportionately Democrats were the ones who went out and got this. I, 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 oh, yeah, a lot. Not saying that the Republicans didn't, because I know plenty who did. Plenty. Well, it became a barrier. It became a barrier for entry into college, into sports. It became a barrier for everything. I mean, I was just listening to, um, you know, it's the trade deadline in the uh, 
the trade deadlines coming up in Major League Baseball, and somebody had sent me a clip of uh, Chris Russo talking about uh, Andrew Benintendi becoming a Yankee and all that. And he's and he's doing this weird. I don't know why he's doing this, but he's doing these little sports updates from his bedroom or something. A really weird angle where he's leaning back on a bed and whatever. He's calling him Bentendi and he, he's just weird. And he said as a throwaway. So I guess that's also confirmation that Benintendi has gotten his vaccine because that's what there. the Yankees require. Oh, yeah. So that's like a that's a contingent upon getting a vaccine. You can play baseball for certain clubs. And, and, and not only that, Tracy, it, this has sparked, this has sparked entirely new uh, lines of work. I was watching one of those new episodes of the Derek Jeter documentary, the captain. And I just let the, the credits play a little bit at the end. And there was a list of at least eight to 10 people that were a part of the so-called COVID uh, COVID compliance team. They haven't, they haven't talked these and yeah. So yeah, you want to talk about young people, old people, ba- uh, barriers of entry into one thing or another. But I mean, if you want to put together a documentary these days, you need a COVID compl- COVID compliance battalion. I, I just, I shudder to think about 10 years from now, because you had always said, we're probably not going to really see, you know, the outcome of this for another 10 years, but, but we are sadly seeing an outcome now. And, um, there was a great, um, a great video clip. It's kind of high level, uh, scientifically, but not so high level that most people would, wouldn't be able to understand it, including myself, um, with Dr. Malone and, uh, a, a biologist. And they're sitting there discussing all of this and the technology and how it works and, you know, what their red flags are and how it's still causing problems. And I, I had queued up a portion of this, but I, I think it's too long to play. So I'm going to put it in the notes so that people can listen to it on their own, where they're basically saying, like, for something this novel, you need at least a decade's worth of study at the very, very, very least. And the way that the body is responding to this and, and for many people putting it into a constant state of inflammation where it's literally attacking itself all day, every single day, which is why you're getting the, the scarring on the heart and, you know, cells dying that shouldn't be dying that are otherwise healthy, but are carrying the spike protein, you know, basically film for lack of a better word and how long it lasts and how they still keep checking or they're trying to keep running studies, but they can't get funding for studies because nobody wants them to know how long this is happening for. Yeah. When does it all come to a head, for goodness sakes? Is, can this be the one thing where it comes to a head because so many people are affected by it? Or are they going to somehow successfully keep the biggest genocide on the, on, on the people of this planet in, in history under wraps forever? How? how? I, uh, well, when does it end? I don't know. When's the end of the insanity? It's not going to come from them. You're talking about very sick people. So it's going to it's going to come from people, hopefully those who are physically able enough to rebel. Uh, this would be, I, I would have to say, you're going to find no uh, no stronger a believer in the justice that needs to be delivered than those who have been injured. Yeah. So and, and you know the people who have lost their their kids, and then there's less of a community to chastise these people now than there was six and eight months ago, and. A lot of the people that stepped forward to talk about this sacrificed everything to do it in large part, you know, their, their, their long prestigious careers, their, their standing in their community, 
we've been wanting people like that for so long to stand up for what's right. And they are. As a matter of fact, there's an article out that says basically that there are some people and I I would argue there's a lot of people who have changed their politics over this very thing. So they're no longer calling themselves. And we talked about this before. Democrats or Republicans. They're calling themselves independents who are voting specifically on bodily autonomy. And they're voting for people who are saying we won't take that from you and we don't believe in it versus the people that are saying we we demand that you do X with your body, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and this is the death, in my opinion, right now that we're going through of the two party paradigm, because the Republican Party is falling apart for many reasons. Political scientists will study for years and years and years. The Democrat Party is not even they're just they're just dictators at this point. And and then there's everybody else who is looking around like, OK, where where are we supposed to go? We've always been told we're supposed to go here if we think this, this and this and here if we think something else. But we're stuck here in this middle ground. I, I just I, it's it's something I've been waiting to happen for, for years. Do you agree with me that that's going on right now? I Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of things I whenever I say things like. Uh, I pay reference to whatever level of hope I have for something coming around. It's never, it's always relegated to hope in an existing system, not in, not in what's going on inside of people or what people are seeing. And just based on what I've, I've um, the conversations you have with average people, most, most, I mean, or a growing level, growing number of people are not getting fooled too badly anymore so what does that mean going forward i just that's the real question how how do we i mean it doesn't answer the question about how do you hold how do you hold murderers uh accountable because that that kind of requires a system doesn't it yeah yeah Uh, you need a justice system to be able to hold people who have been like you've never seen in history a government become the marketing arm of a pharmaceutical company the way it did for Pfizer, it breaks every established protocol that exists. Well, yeah. And it's also, well, I mean, yeah, science and government and all that, they have gone together in the in 20th century. That's when you start seeing it because technology and the ability to coordinate these gigantic industries so effortlessly became available. And, you know, before that, it was a lot harder. But now, yeah, that's the only thing I, I wonder. You know, people through through their own personal revelations and observations can go out and they can create parallel economies, parallel marketplaces for services, for, for uh, societal needs, whatever the hell they want. There's so many ways that you can go around the centralized uh, menu of items and options that were given by these freaks. But the one thing you can't supplement right now is a way to hold murderers accountable. That's um that's the one thing that gets me because then what's the deterrent? If you, if you say, okay, we're going to have a parallel society on this side, you can, um, you can lie, cheat, steal, kill completely and be held to account to by no one because you are, you are the, uh, the mob bosses. And on this side, yeah, we're going to, uh, we're going to sell our trinkets and hope that we never have to use a hospital. You know, who is going to hold them accountable eventually? Oh, God. Oh, that you can rest assured. Yeah. Assured. I might. One. S- but yeah, I mean, 
and, and the worst part is the people that are selling their trinkets and just trying to live their lives are attacked by the mob bosses for nothing and destroyed should they step out of line. Like, it, it, it just, it grosses me out. However, in, in terms of this shift that we're seeing, you know, one of the things that, that they always claimed was that, you know, they needed unfettered illegal immigration so they could change because the Democrats wanted voters, right? That's what they wanted, unfettered illegal immigration because they need voters. That was the whole reason that everybody always said the Democrats wanted an open border. But I, I would argue there are several reasons for that. Entitlements, um, you know, a growing welfare state, uh, destabilization of culture, you know, all kinds of things. However, there was a poll that was put out by CBS News uh, July 27th through July 29th. Um, there is has been a a what, 40, a 40 point swing, it appears from my math here, it looks like someone will correct me if I'm wrong, um, from from Democrat to Republican by Hispanic voters. In two years. Mm. What what explains that? Well, I when I was talking to Rich Barris about this last time he was on um, a week ago or so, this came up again. What was going on uh, trending with Hispanics in particular, in particular. And um, I have to imagine that part of it is that they don't have the baggage that uh, that black Americans do at this point. They just don't have the baggage. Baggage meaning what? Meaning they they they've come. They're new arrivals. They're new arrivals. They have a little bit more. They have a little bit less bearing down on them to 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 act in a certain way. And when they see things turning for the worst, and they see how they're being used, they still have a little bit more uh, uh, will to to change course and make a different decision. Mm. Whereas I feel I feel like from all of the generations of propaganda. It's so much harder for black Americans, though, though it's happening, but just not as I mean, it's just Hispanics are just rapidly turning. Do, does Rich have any numbers on African-American voters in their sw- swing? Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. I just I don't remember them, but he's he's got this all committed to memory at this point. He's just like a, an encyclopedia. By the way, in November for the midterms, remember how we did the election show in 2020 with Rich and and, um, and me and Larry Schweikert? Yes. We're doing the midterms also. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going out to Arizona for that in uh, in uh, November. Well, at least you'll be warm. Oh, no, no, you're going. You live in South Carolina. Yeah. Carolina. Yeah. No, I get swimming season all the way through November. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. December. It depends. I know. I'm my bad. I came back and um, I we had the solar cover on the pool for the whole time I was gone. And my pool was 97 degrees yesterday. What is the point? There's zero point. You can't even jump into that. And I and I'm a stickler about getting into really cool. Even I need the uh, the 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 pool to be cool. Yeah, ninety seven is just a bit too high. Just a bit. It's almost hot tub temperature. Yeah, that's a bath. It's not a very big pool, as you can see. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So so there's just this. There's definitely something happening. And I think all of the world events that we've been dealing with have kind of like shuffled through. For example, this. Um, There was an article about the mass exodus. And there's one thing in this, the the mass exodus from California. So people are like fleeing California um, with like almost 400,000 people leaving last year alone. And they're leaving from L.A. and San Francisco. Right. 
And in this article, it's the it's the craziest thing. And then we're going to go to monkeypox because it's the same trend. The, the author says he's talking to this guy named Khan about why, why people are leaving. And Khan says this. Khan also pointed out that urban crime, a growing unhoused population, public school quality and overall quality life are driving out residents, a growing unhoused population. Now, it's it's not OK to say homeless, Frank. Yeah, even even though that sentence links to an article from like the L.A. Times talking about the homeless problem that they have going on. I was just talking to somebody who was in San Francisco. He said he was at this beautiful cafe, outdoor cafe, sitting down, like enjoying a coffee or something. And a homeless guy came up next to him, dropped his trousers and took a crap on the sidewalk right in front of him like nothing. Well, where else is he going to go? Like this is that's I I don't know whatever. So there's that, and then there's this there's this fetish festival I guess it is in 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 I think it's in San Francisco where monkeypox is a very big problem because as we know it the majority of people affected by it right now are gay and bisexual men. Which is apparently something you're not you're not allowed to say the word gay anymore for some reason. Can't say gay. Don't say gay. When it comes to monkeypox. <laughs> why? Why? Why wouldn't they want to protect these people? And why, for goodness sakes, can't you just keep your pants on all of you guys for three weeks? It's not even about pants. It's about going to going to entering into rooms where there are just naked men crawling all over each other that don't even that know don't know each other just everybody just passing each other around like joints just <laughs> that all all you have to do is not do that for 3 weeks and they won't say it just but stop cavorting around for th- they can't though they can't though because they've been told that this is a superpower that they have 3 weeks frank 3 weeks abstain if everybody did that this would be gone in 3 weeks Three weeks to slow the curve. Come on, guys. Sacrifice for your communities. Give it up for three weeks. Here's a montage of the media not being able to say the word gay. Here. This is a disease uh, that the majority of people who have it in this country are, are men who have sex with other men. Mm-hmm. Uh, men who have sex with men. Male-to-male sexual contact. Men who have sex with men. Male-to-male sexual contact. Men who have sex with men. Men who have sex with men. Men who have sex with men. Men who have sex with other men. Men who have sex with men. Men who have sex with men. Men who have had sex with men. Men who have sex with men. Men who have sex with men. Why? Why? Is gay such a bad word all of a sudden? Why? I thought we were supposed to be saying gay. Gay men. Gay men. Oh, I, I love. Well, I think um, when when that uh, that loser Rochelle Walensky came out and had to do her little shtick, I think she really started the trend. The men who have sex with men community. That's what she said <laughs> when she when she announced that the the, uh, the two the two child cases were linked to gay men. Wasn't that that didn't she like stutter and not know how to hold on? I saw this. Oh, it's it, yeah, it's very uncomfortable because she because she knows, as I said before, this is a really interesting situation where they need to get the information out to those who have to know about it. Gay people, but they don't want the straight people to know that it's just gays because then it becomes a really 
uh, off-putting gay issue. So they're they're trying to <laughs> they're trying to get the information out. But whenever somebody says, "Wait, so this is this is almost one hundred percent a condition that is being spread through gay sex," then they start calling that misinformation. They they can't they it, the the truth that this is the, the way that they're trying to micromanage the way people receive the information is hilarious. So in the past they would they canceled this this thing is called um, up your alley. It's a San Francisco fetish festival. It's called up your alley or for short door alley. So they canceled it in 2020 for COVID. Now they've given out a, a list of tips and tricks, Frank, to keep yourself safe. Instead of just saying, you know what, maybe it's not wise for us to have this orgy party in the middle of a monkeypox outbreak amongst our community. No, no, no. Here, here's a here's a little sec, a, a little section. Cover up your own bumps. See see a bump on your skin and worried that it might be monkeypox. If you're not sure and you still want to go out tonight, cover it up with a bandaid or clothing before you go out. If you feel like it's likely to be monkeypox, for instance, if you know you may have been exposed, it makes sense to stay home and wait on going out until you can get it checked by your healthcare provider, which who, by the way, doesn't even know what monkeypox looks like because they've never seen it before. So don't you just cover it up with a bandaid and then go on out and cavort around with a bunch of naked people. It's all fine. There's yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know how to how to say it like without just then everybody's out there trying to say it's not an STD. Maybe not. But but clearly people that are going around men having sex with men, Frank. Well, it's not it's not an STD, but but you can (laughs) transmit it through sex. Okay, well, okay, let's fine. Fine, you win. Uh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, but like literally, the the you transmit it through sex is the very definition of an STD. Although we have changed the definitions of everything now, from the word recession to the word vaccine to the word definition. For goodness sakes, did you see they changed the definition of definition? The definition. Oh, now was that real? I don't know. I saw it in passing. Um. Hold yeah, on. I saw. Yeah, I, I had. It has to be fake. That the definition of definition is a a fluidly. They use something like a a a fluidly. I don't know something that is not defined. Obviously, Did something that's fluid. Like how the Constitution, a contract, is uh, is living and breathing, which is the most ridiculous thing a stupid person could say. Okay, so there's a there's a USA Today fact check on this. Fact check. Missing context in claim that Merriam-Webster changed. Oh, that's that's another thing. Never mind. It's all about the vaccine, what I'm getting right now. I, I just, if you could just wantonly change the definitions of things whenever you want, what's the point? What's the point anymore of even having words? I don't know. It, it, it's not. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Well, they don't care about words. They care about they care about the end, the end result and the words will fit. The words will be made to fit. So they love words, but they don't like um, they don't like lines and boundaries. So now all these gay men are going to go out to this festival and they're going to get the monkey pox and they're going to take it back wherever. And then they're going to go m- m- cavorting around with more sex partners and then. 
they'll have some new drug out by the end of next month to combat monkeypox. Well, all I would say is that if you go out to any of these orgies, just make sure you keep your distance from the person who has Band-Aids all over them. <laughs> stay, stay away from that person. Spread the cheeks apart. If there are any Band-Aids there, especially stay away. Yes. It's, it's going to be like every, everybody's going to be uh, looking, looking the, uh, the prize horse in the mouth. Oh, you want to you hook up? Okay, let's go to the examination room. Gosh. That's gonna that's gonna that that'll that's gonna add to the fun a pre orgy examination. Gosh, they tested everybody for COVID whenever they wanted to go anywhere, didn't they? Yeah. Well, that's it for today, Frank. (laughs) That's all. That's all she wrote for today. You have been listening to the Dark Delight podcast with August Bell and. I'm back from vacation. Beans, you can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. We will be back here on Wednesday. Later. This is a Rock Stops here with Rock Riley Quick Fix on Radio Influence. I know you're tuning in for this. This is a good one. What a special person. My thanks to the great, great, the one, the only, Joe Madden. Were you surprised? Were you hurt at all, Joe, uh, when you look back a little bit it's, now? Yeah, I mean, it, it was really, um, there's there's no real good reason uh, for having been let go, quite frankly. I mean, there, normally when a manager gets let go like that, he's lost, the, he's lost the clubhouse, which was like the farthest thing from the truth. I was really tight with this group. We lost 12 in a row. But that was after one of the best starts we've had, the Angels have had in years. Um, so we were able to absorb it. A uh, big part of that was the, the bullpen was just couldn't nail things down. They just could not nail things down. And Mikey and Shoei hit about 100 for two weeks. So, I mean, there, there was reasons of mitigating circumstances. So it, uh, when Perry came to my house that day, I really thought he was coming to talk about some of the coaches being let go, which I didn't like either because I'd been talking to him part of that saying, listen, it's nobody's fault here. We're just not playing well. So let's just write it and we'll get through this thing. So when he came out to tell me that was it, um, surprised a little bit. Yes. And yes, a lot. I was surprised. Hurt. I don't know if it was the right, hurt is the right word. Upset because I came there for a reason. And um, I'm really good at doing things like that, especially when it comes to turning things around. Whereas uh, Perry and the guys that had been there had never been through anything like this whatsoever. So, um, it kind of upset me from, I think, more upset than uh, surprised gotcha. or anything else. Um, but nevertheless, um, I got over pretty quick because um, it was it was not a good working environment for me. Um, I'm, I'm a really big part of the uh, birth of analytics in baseball, but it's gone to the point now where it's obscene. And I don't agree with a lot of this stuff. So yeah, I was getting too many arguments with these guys. So a lot of this stuff was uh, brought on by uh, people just relying on numbers more than heartbeats. The Rock Stops here with longtime radio and TV personality Rock Riley is found anywhere you find podcasts and RadioInfluence.com.